Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to grow your business and take your business or your life to the next level. Today, I'm very excited to have Farah Flisher on as a guest. And let me tell you a lot about Farah because she's got a great bio. Farah, who is Par- Farsi, is it Parsi? Farsi? Farsi. Farsi. Yeah. Farsi origin, born in London, but raised in North India, where she was educated at a Catholic convent in a historic Muslim city surrounded by Hindu mythology. She is a British national with an Indian heart. She has embraced the different facets of her identity and considers herself a citizen of the world with the ability to straddle different cultures and geographies with ease. She works in the banking industry where she started as a trainee aged 18 in London, having built her career over a span of 30 plus years across continents. In her personal life, following the uniquely untimely loss of her mother, Farah struggling to reconcile the mysteries of life and death embarked on an inward quest to find the strength to overcome the traumatic family tragedy and other significant life challenges through self-healing practices ranging from baking to yoga. Farah has been able to find a positive conduit to channel her loss and pain, finally arriving at a place of equanimity. Farah is based in Dubai, where she has lived for the last two decades. She has two adult children who are embarking on their life journeys. In her spare time, Farah is an avid baker and dreams of owning a cafe one day. Her other passion is yoga, and she can often be found on the map at a class across Dubai. Our theme for today is how life lessons can teach us to overcome tragedy. Please join me in welcoming Farah Fisher. Hello, Sarah. I just love the beginning of how you have been so many different cultures in your life in, and really in a short time too. I just think that you bring so much to a conversation when you have this breadth of experience and exposure to different ways of life. So I'm so excited to hear what you have to say today. 
Thank you, Vicky, and thank you for hosting me and hello to all your listeners. And I was listening to you say it and it sounded like a mouthful, but but it is true. It gives you a very different perspective and a different lens on life when you've been exposed to just a varied, a very varied upbringing um, with different influences. So very true. Well, we gave away the easy question that I have for you as to where you live <laughs> in Dubai. So we'll um, I don't. we'll have to skip that one. But <laughs> it's um, what is life like in Dubai these days? Well, it's heating up. I have to say it's hitting the 40s. So it's a little bit warm. We're entering the summer. So it's not going to be um, a bundle of fun for the next few months but any time after October it's glorious and it's lovely yeah. um, it's fast paced as I'm sure everyone can imagine um, but it's been a great home to me and my children and I've been here 22 years as you said two uh -huh. decades um, so Dubai is definitely home in my base but I'm equally at home in India and I'm equally at home in London so home is um, home is movable shall we say it shifts <laughs> You still yeah. have a, a lovely London accent, though. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So as we mentioned, you have a very impressive cross-cultural background. It, you have been born in London. You were raised in North India. And as we said, you had those different influences of religion. How did you embrace those different facets of your identity and you talked about considering yourself a citizen of the world. And so why do you do that? Why do you feel that way? That's a really interesting question. I think it's very easy if you go online to fill out a form. We're categorized by ethnicity or by the country of origin or by our religion. And I always have to take other because I don't conform. <laughs> and that's absolutely okay. We can be the sum of our parts. We don't have to be any one particular kind of person, ethnicity, or means nationality is your passport, and that's all well and good, but that doesn't define who I am in its entirety. So yes, I carry my British passport, but I speak Hindi, I'm at home in India, I'm equally at home in Dubai, and it's about the sort of assimilation of all these experiences. And as you get older, I think you get more comfortable in your skin and you're okay to say, this is me. Mm -hmm. um, I may not be, you know, pure any one thing, but I am who I am through the combination of my experiences. And you embrace that difference mm -hmm. and you embrace that point of view. And then you're quite proud to say, you know, um, I'm a citizen of the world because you can relate to people at different levels and mm -hmm. you can relate to multiple points of view because you've either experienced it or you've been you know submerged in that culture um to understand a different point of view so, so i think true. it's yeah i just think and especially with time and with age and with experience you become a little bit more comfortable um in who you are absolutely and and i i used to um in i'm from pittsburgh so if you're at all familiar with Pittsburgh, uh, we used to be the home of Heinz ketchup. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. it was Heinz 57. So I don't have near as many cultural background things as you, but I have a lot of different 
things that not just one country that my grandparents were part of. And so we used to say that we were Heinz 57 kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. That's yeah, an identity. Yeah, there, there you go. Good. But I think you do, as I mentioned earlier, I think when you allow yourselves to be immersed in these different cultures, it it really makes you so much more um, interesting, um, rich. And I think the appreciation that you have makes you be able to be a better communicator whenever you're talking with these different people that you meet, the diverse world that we live in. I think it definitely allows you to have an appreciation for different points of view. There's no one right point of view from you know, a particular perspective because everyone comes at things from a combination of their education, their environment, how they've been brought up, and they might think they're completely correct, but so does the other person who's had a very different upbringing. So when one has seen both sides, then you can be more receptive to differing points of view and you can potentially disagree without being disagreeable. Right. Excellent. So part of your story, as we said early, earlier, is, is somewhat sad and tragic. And so I want you to go back to February 28th, 2006. Um, and that day that is forever imprinted in your mind and your heart. Um, please share the story about that day and the phone call that shook your world. Um, as you say, it's um, it's a sad part of the story. It's the heart of the story. It's my relationship with my mother. So February 28th was pretty much a normal day. Um, it started off as a normal day. I went to the office. I came back home. My two young kids um, sort of gave them, we had dinner, gave them a bath, read them a story, tucked them into bed, um, went to bed myself. My husband uh, was out of town and because he had traveled for work, I'd left the ringer on my phone on just in case he needed to reach me or, you know, just, just in case. Um, went to bed and my phone rang in the middle of the night. And when I looked um, at the time, it was sort of two in the morning um, and I picked up the phone and it was my stepfather on the phone and his voice was shaking and I was groggy. I'd just been pulled out of a deep sleep and I was like, is everything okay? And he, his voice was shaking and he said, your mother's been shot. Um, and you need to come home immediately. And so you sort of put the phone down, you're processing what's been said, not quite able to comprehend. Um, and as I mentioned, my husband was out of town, so I couldn't go back to sleep, um, as anyone can imagine. Stayed up till, say, a reasonable time, 6 a.m., called him, said, can you come home so I could leave the kids with him so I could travel booked a flight to leave um, and the flight the earliest flight was later that evening that allowed him to come back and me to leave um i got dressed up i sort of operated on autopilot uh, because i didn't know any different i was just like okay i've got to go into the office got to hand in my work because i didn't know what to expect i didn't know how long i was going on going for um so i went into the office handed in my work had a great boss explained the basics of what I knew and just said, I need to take leave, emergency leave. I'm not quite sure how long I'll be gone for. Um, and then through the day, I sort of stayed in the office for a little bit and the calls were coming. And I think what no one said to me at the time was no one expected mom to survive. 
the gunshot but in my head i don't think i was there yet in my head there was an injury there was a incident and i needed to get to my mother but i wasn't contemplating her mortality at this particular point in time and so everyone could see there was a flurry of activity around me um and my boss's secretary said far what's going on and i sort of shared with her i said it's all on the internet so she went to the internet and started reading some of the headlines that were coming out and she's like this is like a really really bad movie script um that someone's written because it was so it was just so out of the ordinary um so that was that was how the incident was shared with me and how i um dealt with it on that particular day so whenever you got that news and then you flew to home arrive at the hospital and and then what happened i mean you said you were kind of going on autopilot at what point did it start to strike you that things were not going to go as you had hoped so as you said i get to the hospital so my mother um the incident had occurred in our hometown which is lucknow lucknow wasn't equipped the hospital wasn't equipped to deal with her injuries so she was airlifted to delhi which is the capital of india so i flew into delhi and i went straight to the hospital um and up until that point it had been autopilot the journey getting through immigration collect your bag get in a car get to the hospital and then when i arrived at the hospital i was greeted by my stepfather who you know had spent the whole night in the hospital had flown was clearly you know harrowed um and as i entered there was the whispering you know the friends and the relatives who were there were all subdued and whispering and there were the tears and there were people coming out to hug me and you know saying sort of not condoling but almost trying to comfort me and prepare mm-hmm. me for the inevitable and there were the doctors looking very grim and somber mm-hmm. and my mother was in the intensive care unit so by the time you've scrubbed and put on the gown and put on the shoe covers and your gloves and your hair cap and you walk in and that's kind of when it hits you because up until that point i didn't have a visual i didn't yeah. have a visual reference at all of what to expect and that i think is when you know it just sort of slams into you that this is very real and um really really serious yeah and i think that you know i i know whenever i had my mom have an incident where i wasn't sure what was going on your heart starts to ache but it's it's almost and i don't know if it's the mother instinct in us but i was trying to always think how can i fix this and i wonder if that went through your mind as you're looking at her in that state that she was in what can you do or you know how or how good how are best. these doctors <laughs> yeah no absolutely and there was even the day before i flew there was this debate is this the best hospital do we have yeah. the best doctors is this the best town is this the best course of action to take for her and then you know your listeners will see through the journey and the story that mom survived for a period of time um and sort of started improving and part of me was like okay if she comes out she's going to need physiotherapy then i need a flat and the flat has to have a ramp and she wouldn't be able to climb stairs so as you say that fix it part of you or the mm-hmm. solution part of you kicks in and you're like how do i 
make good of the situation that we find ourselves in and how can I help um, just ease the way, if you like, for whatever's to come. And I I don't know um, that we talked about, but your relationship with your stepfather, was it one that you you felt closeness enough to him to try to console him or um, how was that situation? Um, so <laughs> our relationship wasn't, uh, we weren't very close with mm -hmm. me growing up, but I think in that moment you put all differences aside because mm -hmm. everyone's sort of pulling for the same outcome. Everyone's rooting for mom to survive. Everyone's trying to rally everyone for her to get better. Um, I think the differences, the fundamental differences would always stay, but that um, shared anguish, shared sort of pain at what had happened and the shared desire for her to get better um, sort of definitely mellowed, mellowed the relationship for a period of time. So how long did your mom stay with us before? So she was in hospital for 25 days. Oh, and then wow. on the 24th day, um, there was a internal bleeding and they couldn't identify the source. Um, and then she just started slipping away. Um, and we did the endoscopy and we tried to identify the source, but yeah. it just um, wasn't found. Um, and then she slipped away. And I, so she was shot. Did you have to go through trial and things like that to for the person who shot her? Did you have that additional anguish and, and stress? Not at the time. So at the time that she was in hospital, they hadn't yet caught the individuals, but the police yeah. were out there seeking to catch them. So that came subsequent to her passing, that chapter of mm -hmm. finding the individuals and bringing them to justice. So that's, you know, that's interesting because you go through all this pain in that moment and now you're, when trial does happen, you have to re-engage all those feelings again. Correct. Yeah, it is, it is, it is not easy and it is hard, um, but there was a lot of, pressure on the police to mm -hmm. bring the perpetrators to justice and find them because they had absconded then run away and the news was breaking across the wires everywhere so the police were definitely out looking for them um but that sort of came after after we had um passed the 25-day mark and mom had passed so as i was reading your bio you shared that your mom used to say we choose our lives for the lessons we learn I'll say that again, because I think it's a great quote. We choose our lives for the lessons we learn. Um, you said you struggled with that, but have you um, been able to overcome the hardship, the loss, the heartache, and emerge stronger from this horrible experience that you lived through? So while I was growing up, um, if there was anything that I was struggling with, even if I was mad at my mom, she was like, remember, you chose me, you know, you chose this life. Um, and we used to laugh about it and joke about it. And she would always try and remind me if I was going through a challenge that it's a lesson there to teach you um, and you will come out stronger. And 
as again you get older, you look back and you gain more perspective on the sort of earlier part, your earlier years, and you look at it and you think, okay, mm-hmm. I must have had to have had that challenge to learn the lesson that I've learned that I can apply today and use in my life going forward. Um, when mom passed, no amount of, you know, people say things happen for a reason. I could not find any reason mm-hmm. why something like this might have had to happen. But have I learned tools or have I gained a perspective on grief? Have I learned to be able to handle my emotions? Have I emerged a little bit stronger? For sure. I would say for sure. Would I have wanted it to happen this way? Absolutely Mm -hmm. not. But I think we all learn from whatever we encounter. And if you think about it, everyone, life comes at everyone. It's not like anyone has it easy. It Mm -hmm. could be a different kind of challenge, whether it's health-related or finance-related or relationship-related, there's always a challenge and we're trying to find the way to live our life and be true to who we are and what we believe we want to be in this world. And I think, hence I come back to what she said and I think, okay, there's, there's truth in it because we're all learning from the challenges we encounter and maybe we did choose this particular life with this particular challenge to teach us what we're learning to make us the people we are today um so yeah definitely absorb the wisdom in that statement and hopefully embody some of that um in who i am today and these lessons you learned also you had small children then how has this experience affected them and how have you been able to help them through the um, tragedy as well? So I think when it happened, because they were so young, they were shielded from everything that was going on. Um, they were not exposed to, you know, the press or the mayhem or the, you know, the group. Um, so they were... For them, it was the loss of a grandma, but they didn't have everything else associated with it. So it was the loss, but not the big incident, if you like. Um, And they were very young. So it's only, again, as they've grown older that we've been able to talk about it. They've obviously read my manuscript, so they're aware. And they, many years ago, I did tell them about the actual incident, so they're aware And as children this day and age, you know, they're never far from a computer and with access to news yeah. information, news wires. So it's it's easily accessible to them. So again, it was about putting it into perspective that this is not normal. These mm-hmm. this was not a normal incident. So it's not about normalizing it, but it's about helping them understand that their grandmother was standing up for something she believed in. So there, you know, she was um, very, very brave and very courageous in the eye of personal adversity, right? Um, mm-hmm. There was threat to life, and yet she stood her ground and stood for what she believed in. So it's about taking that lesson from it whilst making sure they're honoring the memory of their grandmother. So in your book, you mentioned that it's difficult to accept that you could have chosen to have your mother shot, your father abandons you, or your stepfather rejects you. How did you deal with such displacement and fear of rejection? And have you come to terms with saying that your mother um, 
taught you a great lesson. It's it's again about the sum of your parts. So yeah. I think part of my lesson perhaps in this life that I appear to have chosen is about independence and self-sufficiency and courage and not having a father figure when I was much younger was quite distressing. Um, and I recall, you know, being a young child and crying over mm -hmm. the loss or not having a father present. And I remember getting quite emotional if I ever had to say to someone, my parents are divorced, you know, the words would stick in my throat a little bit. Mum's mm -hmm. loss again, out of my control, nothing you know, I could have done to change that outcome. Um, and again, it's about finding your courage within. It's about finding your strength within because I don't have a present father. My mother, who was my foundation, is no more. So it's about, again, who am I? And can mm -hmm. I stand on my own and be my own foundation and find the strength within me to, you know, just rely on myself to... Mm -hmm lesser or greater degree. So I think it's definitely about sort of absorbing the lesson there is, finding the courage, finding the strength, finding the things that motivate me, finding the things that give me happiness, finding the things that give mm. me joy and allow me to carry on without carrying the negative aspects of whatever might have happened in my childhood because I don't need to be defined by that. Mm. That was part of my upbringing, but who I am today back to some of my parts, those experiences have made me who I am today. And hopefully a little bit stronger, a little bit wiser, a little bit grayer, but you know, <laughs> uh, here I am today. A much stronger, vibrant woman, I am sure. Um, I, I kind of have a sense of that independence. So how is it um, in marriage being this strong, independent woman? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, your readers will get a taste of it in the book because, um, yeah, that um, unfortunately, that marriage also did not um, last the test of time, but that's unfortunate. And that's perhaps books, book two. So yeah. maybe <laughs> there's another story to tell. There's a challenge <laughs> for you. Yeah, for sure. And and it is true. And it is sad that um, oftentimes, um, you know, strong women do, um, not every man is able to uh, cohabitate with a strong <laughs> We'll be polite, Vicky. We'll yes. be polite. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's time now for us to go ahead and share my screen so that you can get the information and um, learn more about how to get Farah's book. For those of you that are listening, as I remind you each time, you should have already had a pen and pencil to take notes throughout this wonderful conversation we had. But if you didn't, go grab a paper and pencil right now or pen. I'm going to read the website for Farah, and um, as I always mention, the information will be on my YouTube site as well as my personal um, website, so findyourleadershipconfidence.com. The website is, I should have given you enough time to get that pencil, all right, here we go, https colon forward slash forward slash www.com 
Farah, F-A-R-A-H, press, P-R-E-S-S.com. That's farahpress.com. She is on Instagram, and that is farah.press. Again, on Instagram, it's farah.press. And I'm going to let Farah talk to you a little bit about her book and the chapter that she is going to be giving you for free if you go to farahpress.com. Go ahead. Thanks, Vicki. So hopefully you all will um, have noted it, Dan. Otherwise, if you have your phone, take a screenshot. That's what I tend to do if I don't have a pen and paper. Um, so Farah Press, when you go on the website, you'll get access to resources and the photographs that are in the book as well. You'll see them in color. So hopefully it brings the book to life for you. Um, you get the first chapter for free when you sign up. Um, I invite anyone who's listening and who would like to share their stories with their mother, uh, mother, child. If, we all have stories, right? It's the most fundamental of our relationships. So would love to hear any feedback that you have. Very, very welcome. There's some recipes on the website and some books and web, other websites that I might have referred to as part of my journey that I'm sharing if you're interested um, and just look forward to the engagement and hope to hear your feedback. Would you remind everybody the name of the book? Sure. So the name of the book is Meher and Me. My mother's name was Meher. So it's Meher and Me. It's a very personal biography um, and a memoir and it pays homage to my mother who was um, a force of nature and a very courageous lady. So I really hope you enjoy reading it. So please, if you go to read that free chapter, please go and make comments back to Farah so that she can get insights and uh, encourage her to write that second book too. Okay? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a story there for sure. <laughs> well, it has been just wonderful hearing your story as I knew it was gonna be so interesting to hear. And I am so proud of how you have become this wonderful independent woman <laughs> i look forward to reading more of your book and um looking for that second book <laughs> we'll just have to have you back on when you have that second book out but thank you so much for sharing your story and um and as always i remind everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride this is vicki netling signing off Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.